Hello and welcome to this week's Digital Rookie Podcast. Today, I am very excited to release the first part of my chat with senior reporter for Fox Sports, Tom Morris. Tom is one of the leading news reporters in the sports industry, often making appearances on television for Fox and radio for 3AW. I've decided to release our chat in two parts just to make the length of the show a bit more manageable. So today, you'll get to hear about how Tom found his opportunities in the sports media industry and what he's done to get where he is. Then, in a few days, you'll get to hear about Tom's experience working in the sports media industry at the highest level. If you want to check out Tom's awesome work, head to his Twitter or his LinkedIn. Of course, you can also find his content throughout the Fox Sports websites and news outlets. Make sure to check out my other content on Instagram and Facebook at Digital Rookie Hub and check out my website, digitalrookiehub.com. I'd also love it if you left a review on the podcast and subscribe. So without further ado, enjoy my chat with Tom. Alrighty, Tom, thanks so much for uh, joining me today on my podcast. No, pleasure. Great to be here, Patrick. Uh, I've heard lots of good things. Yeah, cool. well, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so we'll get stuck into it. My first question is just pretty much uh, starting at the beginning and uh, your journey into the sports business yep. world um, and you know what instigated your desire to go into journalism and in particular sports journalism. Well, I think initially I just wanted to go into journalism because I, I love sport and I wasn't particularly good at maths. I wasn't very good at science. I wasn't very good at uh, any languages or any sort of uh, anything that required a scientific mind. I was more humanities. So I liked politics and geography and history and English. So when you combine those two things, you have a situation where I want to work in sport and I wanted, I wanted to be a journalist, but I didn't, know how to, I didn't know how to go about it. I had no idea. I'm talking when I'm back at school now. I was, just, I was just happy to be doing a university degree two years after school where I was doing sports journalism at La Trobe. And then I met enough people, met a few people to sort of get a, like a, you know, just like a few gigs where I was working part-time or even working for free, doing internships, things like that. And then ended up getting a job at St Kilda Footy Club, which was awesome. Worked two days a week at the Saints and then got a job at Fox Footy a couple of years after that full time. But initially, if you go back to the start, it was purely my love for sport. And then as I got older, probably into my late teens, I, I actually became obsessed with the sports media as well. I loved reading the papers. I loved seeing the news. I loved uh, you know, looking, up, looking up articles online and, and looking at how different presenters and commentators go about their work. So it's sort of morphed from a love for sport to a love for sports, sports media. Yeah. Okay. Great. And um, I know you had some experience as a coach as well. Is that right? For in in cricket for in cricket? Melbourne Grammar. Yeah. Did you have I any did, yeah. lessons that you took from that as well that kind of translated into your work first in Ooh. sports media? It's a good question. No one's ever asked me that before. Uh, I'm not sure how many people knew I coached some cricket. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, because sports media is about communication and it's about net networking and it's about being able to de- to deliver a message. I guess. And I think the same applies to coaching and in cricket or any sport, I, I imagine. But I, I was coaching cricket at Melbourne Grammar from when, as soon as I left school. So from 2010 till about 2015, I coached the 9A team and also was an assistant with the first 11. Then I had a couple of years away. Um, and then I came back and I coached the first 11, which is the highest team in the school for yeah. two seasons, which was awesome. I think it's just about how you communicate different ideas to different people. How I told one boy or, or one group of parents or one group of boys a message could be completely different to how I deliver a message to another group or another boy. But as long as there's a consistent 
theme with them both and they can both take it on board and get better from it. I think the same applies to journalism. Absolutely, you have a responsibility to communicate in a way that's effective for your audience. So how I write a story for the Fox Sports website, uh, it's probably very, it absolutely is very different to how I broadcast a story on TV or how I broadcast it on radio or even how I tweet it. So hmm. being able to tinker with your delivery message, that's probably what I'm getting at. Probably being able to tinker with your delivery message and make sure it suits who the audience is, is a really important trait to have. And it's something that you just, you're not born with. You've got to learn it. You've got to meet lots of different people. You've got to speak to lots of different people. And coaching, I've got absolutely no doubt, uh, allowed me to do that. And it was one of the great things I did. I, I miss it. I mean, I preferred playing cricket, but once I couldn't play at a high level or high club level anymore because of work, then coaching was the next be best thing. Um, and it was awesome to be a part of. And I, I've never thought, I've actually never thought about it before until you asked the question, but I think yeah. I've, I've probably learned a lot of lessons from coaching that have helped me in my professional career. Even just, um, yep. I know personally, just from playing footy for, yep. I went to Cary. And so yep. even just the networks that you can build at a, at a club can be really beneficial career development wise. Huge, huge. And, you know, people say, oh, not people say this to me all the time, but I know people have thought this, that, you know, Melbourne Grammar, Silver Spoon, you've always, you've always got a given to in a platter. Um, and as a result, you can, you can pretty much do whatever you want because you get everything given to you. Uh, I, I fundamentally disagree with that because you might have better networks and you might be able to, or more broad networks is the way to probably describe it, and you might be able to meet more different people. But in the end, you're only going to get a gig if people think you're any good. <laughs> so yeah. it might give you a little bit of a leg up initially, but I'm a firm believer that wherever you went to school or wherever you went to uni, if you're good enough in the end, you'll be able to make it in whatever career you decide to do. And Melbourne Grammar was an advantage, absolutely, but no more of an advantage than any other school around the country. Probably what, what helped me was the fact that a lot of the kids I coached in cricket over that 2010 to 2015 period got drafted to the AFL as well. So, you know, that, they, they're strong footballers. Cricket and footy sort of go hand in hand. And it's, mm. and it's given me a great network, you know, from when I started when I was a boy at Melbourne Grammar in 2004, without wanting to label like the private school thing too much. But when I was a boy at Melbourne Grammar in 2004, to when I stopped coaching in 2018, like I've, I've got 14 years worth of, of contacts that I've developed organically. I've, I, I didn't go to the school. I didn't coach at the school to develop networks for my career, but it's just worked out that way. And it's really helped. So for 14 years worth, there's a lot of people and a lot of people that either are pretty prominent in the sporting world or will be absolutely benefited me without the job I've done as coach has actually helped me in my, in my, in my journalism career. Yeah, great. Because one thing then I want to discuss is obviously one of the biggest challenges in the sports media journalism world is getting that industry experience. Um, yep. And so after finishing university, how did you go about trying to create opportunities for yourself? Well, I did it um, while I was at university. So I was very lucky because at the end of when I finished university, I walked straight into a part-time job. Sorry, I walked straight into a full-time job like the week oh, okay. after I finished university. So I was, very, I was lucky that it, it all married up. I've been very lucky that everything sort of worked out. Uh, I'm a big believer you make your own luck, but I'm also a big believer that sometimes you get lucky and things yeah. work for you. So it, it does work a bit of both ways. But during, what was it? My first year of uni, what happened was I finished school and then uh, I was enrolled in arts at Melbourne in 2010. And yeah, I that's thought, what I, I did. That's what cricket I did. Overseas. Is that what you did? Yeah. So I, yeah, went, I, I went to play cricket overseas um, in England. I was the overseas pro at Wimbledon Cricket Club. Came back and one of my mum's friends, she was over for dinner one night. It would have been like October 2010. And she said, um, do you know there's this uh, degree that's opened up at Latrobe called sports journalism? 
said, no, I haven't heard of it. So anyway, I researched it. I realized that I got 89 or not. I got just less than 90 in BCE. But to get into this sports journalism, I only needed to get like 73 or something at the time. So I'd actually overworked 18 months earlier. But anyway, I, so I diverted from, I deferred from Arts in Melbourne. Uh, and then I canceled that Arts in Melbourne, which didn't impress them too much. But either way, you just got to do what you want to do. And I uh, got into sports journalism at the Trobe. And then in 2011, I was just going to uni and I was coaching cricket and I was playing cricket and playing footy and wasn't really getting any industry experience at all. I wasn't really thinking about it like I was 20 years old. And as you can appreciate when you're 20, you're sort of just living your life day to day, which is yeah. fine. And then 2012 started. I remember thinking to myself, I wouldn't actually mind you know, seeing if I can do some stuff outside of uni. So I sort of spoke to a few people at uni and I got a gig, um, unpaid gig, writing for the Northern Footy League. So I stopped playing footy. And which hurt me because I loved playing footy. And actually, every Saturday for free, I'd drive out to the northern suburbs, so like Montmorency or Eltham or uh, North Heidelberg, and, and I'd write a match report and interview the winning coach and the losing coach on a game of footy. And you can imagine doing this in the winter months. Like, it was pretty... I mean, it weirdly, it was rewarding because you got your articles published yeah. in, the, in the league newsletter and online. But looking back on it now, I can't believe I did so much... You know, that's six hours free work every Saturday for probably 15 Saturdays. But by yeah. July, I got a call from my next door neighbour. He is Tim Lane's nephew. Right, okay. <laughs> and, um, and, he, and, and Patrick Lane, he currently works for the, um, for the Andrews government in the, in the media department. But he was a journalist and for leading newspapers. And he said he had a friend at St Kilda Footy Club that they'd wanted some more content for the website. And they'd been seeing that I'd been, I don't know how, they'd been seeing that I've been doing all this free work for the Northern Footy League. Would I like to write five talking points for every St Kilda Footy Club game? And five talking points, as you know, is like the easiest thing to write. Like you yeah. five different subheadings and, and away you go. You know, it's probably four or 500 words, but you just watch the story. So for the rest of the year from July on, I just did that for free. Fine, I watched the, and then I sent my article in and I put it on the website. I was thinking, how good is this? Like my article is on the St Kilda website. Like St Kilda fans are reading this. And then the girl that called me, asked me to do that, actually got made redundant because right. I was doing her job effectively. If she couldn't really <laughs> write on footy. So I felt a bit bad initially about that but then they said to me oh would you like to work in 2013 two days a week and game day and I thought well can I combine that with uni yeah I can so by 2013 I was doing full-time uni two days a week at St Kilda plus game day so I sort of had this dual role and and what that did doing uni while I was working at St Kilda actually allowed me to continue my study but also make make a bit of money but get involved in the industry it was just Mm. awesome like it was a great grounding then when I finished uni at the end of 2013, they said to me, would you like a full-time job in 2014? And I said, absolutely. So I was on $38,500 for the year and I didn't, it was awesome. I was stoked with that. And uh, yeah, so I worked full-time at the Saints in 2014, 2015. But to answer your question, the key was I was able to get real life experience while I was uh, at uni, which was really important because then when I finished uni, I could just step straight in. I understand it's not as easy for everyone as that. I got lucky, but also I sort of, if I hadn't put myself out there to do the Northern Footy League, I probably wouldn't have got St Kilda. So taking the yeah. first step was the most important. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so would you say that getting the St Kilda gig was probably the, if you were to look back and reflect on what you've done so far, was that St Kilda footy gig the the, the key stepping stone that you see as the Yeah, the absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, did I want to do a cadetship at the Herald Sun? I was thinking I might have to move away to the country and do like Win News or you know, like a, a local a local newspaper out there. I might have to move to the state or who knows? Like, my mum's English. Like, I might move to London and try to work over there. I had absolutely no idea. But the decision was taken out of my hands in late 2012 when I was I was 21 and a half years old. When they said, "Do you want to 
um, worked part-time at St Kilda in 2013. Mm. So luckily, luckily for me, I didn't really have to, I didn't have any time in limbo, really. Everything just was moving quite quickly. But what, yeah, working at St Kilda was a big stepping stone. And you, you'll hear people say, like everyone says, like once you get in, then you're okay. The first step is the hardest. So I was lucky I got in at St Kilda. And then when you get in at Saints, you know, I was able to meet people. I was, you know, people are reading your work. You, you go to press conferences. You're sort of in the professional bubble. So I was okay. But absolutely working two days a week at St Kilda plus match day in 2013 was like the key step. And I've heard that working at a club is a really good platform for exposing you to like the rawness of the sports industry and really Mate, getting 100%. some really good experience. Yeah, hundred percent. Anyone that asks me for any advice, one of the main things I say is if you can work at a sports club, it doesn't have to be an AFL club, A League, you know, work at Crew Victoria or a BBL club, or I don't know, like work at any any club that's a professional organisation and produce content for them. It's a great, uh, it's a great starting thing to do um, because you meet the right people and you and you can get it done. Yeah, that's a really interesting point you make, and it links me to my next question about the importance of being versatile in the industry. So when you get these opportunities or are trying to get these opportunities in clubs or in agencies, what is you think is the value of being versatile? I think you've got to be as multifaceted as possible. So. I think anyone that tries to, you know, it's not impossible to get in if you, if you want to streamline yourself, but I would be advocating strongly for doing as many different things as you can. Learn to produce, learn to write, learn to edit, learn to talk on camera, learn to shoot, learn, learn to take photographs, learn to do social media, learn to do as many different things as you can and make yourself more employable. Because even since I've been at Fox Footy since 2015, which isn't that long, the media industry is con- contracting. And it's contracting because people who only have one or two skills are getting filtered out because they're not as valuable to the employer as people who have several skills. So I'm probably I'm 28. I'm probably the last of the like last of the people that can afford not to be able to do everything <laughs> at the moment. Like I can do most of those things, but I I've, I, I don't know. Wouldn't know how to take a photo. I wouldn't know how to. I I know the very basics to editing a, a story, for example. Uh, a, a TV news story, but I can, I've got like digital journalism, I can social media, I can do sort of radio, so I can just sort of do bits and pieces. But I think you just got to try to do as many different things as you can, as best as you, as best as you can. So if someone, if an employer says to you, or a company says to you, yeah, we don't have room for that, but we've got room for this, you can say, yep, I can do that. And the, and the more you can branch out, the more employable you can be. And then once you get in, you can eventually streamline. But a lot of the time, the, the, job you have, the job you have initially isn't the job you actually want. It's just the job. It's just like a nice stepping stone. And that was the case with me for sure. Like at St Kilda, I loved it at St Kilda. But you know, I wasn't doing any on-camera stuff. Mm. Um, I wasn't doing any podcasting or doing any radio, which I was really keen on. I was writing, which was awesome. But it was, a, it was a fraction of the stuff I ended up wanting to do because I had enough skills from uni and different things. I was able to get into that eventually. So lots of people grow up wanting to be a, a TV journalist, for example. They want to be in front of the camera, which is fine. But I just think you've got to be able to write as well. You've got to be able to produce. You've got to be able to do social media. You've got to be able to do all those things. And then eventually you'll get to where you want to go because you've got in because you've got that broad spectrum of skills. Okay, interesting. Um, and do so, you agree? Yeah, no, 100%. Being versatile is, is really important. That's something that I've tried to do as much as possible, you know, starting a podcast and having those like... Right. Having those side projects that allow you to develop your skills and uh you know try new things i think it's definitely i think it's a really good point that you make yeah good and so easy with- i've got to say easy, easier yeah. said than done though because oh, yeah. then a lot of them aren't skills that are easy to learn 
but I, I just I just don't understand the thought process that I want to be this sort of journalist or I want to do this in the media. Therefore, I'm only going to learn this. Like just learn as much as you can about as many different aspects of the industry as you can, and eventually you'll get you'll be able to streamline yourself a little bit, which is what I can do now. But it's taken me a while. Yeah, and I even think one thing now as a person trying to get into the industry, if you're not learning skills behind the scenes and not trying to develop yourself that way, whether it might be something in Photoshop or editing audio, then when you get to those experiences and the internships, that should be a platform to demonstrate your versatility and your skills. But if you're using, if you're using internships and stuff to learn, then I think you're already probably behind at this stage. People are getting. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, you got you got to try to upskill yourself as much as you can all the time. Like yeah. even I remember being at uni, and it would have been oh, I'm guessing it might have been 2011 or 2012. I can't remember what year. But Channel Seven and Triple M they were hiring social media people. You know, just dedicated social media people. And I remember our lecturer saying like, "This is the new world. Like, you need to learn how to do social media. Learn need to learn how to do Twitter." Need to learn how to post those things and, and um, you know do back end website sort of stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, that'll never be a job. Like no one's going to be employed to do social media. And now we have people employed to do social media because it's so important. It's absolutely crucial. It just shows how little I knew and how much my lecturer knew at the time. And it also demonstrates that it's such an evolving beast. It's like the media moves so quickly, you just can't afford to stand still. Mm. Yeah, one thing that has challenged me and, you know, does challenge me, but something that you've obviously become good at is your having confidence to express your opinion. Obviously, being a journalist, that's a large part of your job. How have you gone about developing that skill and having the confidence in yourself from, you know, working in, working at, uh, in the Northern Footy League to now doing it for the NFL <laughs> and career? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think I express my opinion extremely rarely. Like, okay. it's, it's, it's very rare that I would, I would write an opinion piece. I did today, coincidentally, about Steel Sidebottom. I wrote yep. a column. But, like, I wouldn't have written a column probably since I think Adelaide stuffed up the their announcement with the Tyson Stengel drink driving, which is probably, okay, I don't know when that was, early, early May or something. So that's what, eight weeks ago. So I, I, tried, I tried to leave opinions to the experts. Um, so footy opinion, for example, you, you'll never hear me say like, oh, Essendon's forward structure is no good. Right. Or Steve Smith's technique is out of whack and he's struggling against the short ball and he should do like, even though I think I might know some of that stuff, no one, no one cares what I think about that, that thing, at least not now. Like maybe when you're Mark Sheen and you've been in it for 40 years, people care. Or even Robbo, people care a bit more because he's been in it for a long time. He's got a platform. But I, I'm very, very considered with how little I give my opinion publicly. I'll have debates with mates, of course, and I'll yeah. tell you, and I'll, I'll speak to my parents and things like that. But uh, I try not to give too much opinion. I think it's embarrassing when journalists give um, give their opinion too much that haven't played the game because um, you know there's we've got 20 people at Fox Footy who've played elite footy, and they're all they're all either superstars or close to being superstars. It doesn't matter what I think. In saying that, when I do give my opinion, like a column today. It's on the news around the sport. So still side bottom. He's breached the protocols. So I give, I write a, I write a column on that news story. I'm not writing about footy. It's it's the news around the. Um, and I'm really careful that I I do that in a considered way, in a balanced and nuanced way. Not everyone would agree with it clearly. But how did I get the confidence? Oh well, you, I guess you've got to have some sort of confidence if you're going to write. But I think 
knowing in my own mind that I only give my opinion very, very rarely allows me to sort of express it openly and with confidence that it's not an everyday thing. Whereas I've, I'm not going to name them, but like there's people in, in the journalistic world of journalists who actually break some good stories and they, and they do some good stuff, but they just give their opinion on everything all the time. And yeah. like, who cares? Who cares what you think about that stuff? You know, it's just like, I don't care what David King says about the Australian cricket team. I don't care what a journalist says about the Western Bulldogs center square setup. Okay. Yeah. I think you've got to have some sort of credibility in that field before you give your opinion forcefully. It's probably the okay. best way to describe it. Okay. Yeah, interesting. That's a, that's something I hadn't really thought about too much. Yeah. I try to, I try to stick to news and sort of features as much as possible. And if, if I'm writing a column like I did today, it'll have like a news slant to it. So there'll be information in it that people hopefully don't know, but I'm not, I'm not writing stories that say, I, for example, I think this, I believe this, I've written a handful of them, but very, very few. Um, At least at this stage of my career, I try to steer away from that as much as possible. So that's where I'm going to end it for part one of my chat with Tom Morris. Make sure to stay tuned for the second part of our chat, where we get stuck into talking about what life is like as a sports journalist and the challenges of working in today's media landscape. If you enjoyed, please do leave a review and subscribe to the pod. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.